friends. And welcome to Fonts and Fauna, a podcast about creatures real. Or otherwise. I'm your still Christmas boy, Cody. And I am your chilly Arctic lady. <laughs> and we're back, folks. Uh-huh. Thank you for all of your support in 2021. And we are excited to continue in 2022. Yeah. We also have an exciting update. We are adding a new... A new goblin to the herd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a new goblin, a new gerblin, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am pregnant, so we will be adding a little boy in July. Mm-hmm. So our sweet daughter is going to have a little brother. And hopefully we won't have to go on hiatus for that one. Yes, we took off for the holidays And now we are going to get back to our regularly scheduled program of posting every other Thursday. And as always, if there are any creatures that you guys want us to cover, feel free to email or DM. All of our socials and other information is always in the show notes, which is the description of the podcast. So yeah, today we're going to be doing our christmas <laughs> episode christmas in july in january that's right we're we're the end of christmas yes we're the end of that creep shall we just jump on in let's do it okay so the creature that i am bringing is the most popular i would say of all of the christmas creatures the reindeer <gasps> <laughs> uh so some fast facts for you they are also known as caribou. Oh, I, I was very curious as whether or not there was a difference. Yeah. So they're like synonymous to each other. Unlike the bison and the buffalo, which are two different animals. Oh, the caribou uh-huh. and the reindeer are the same. Gotcha. So they are native to Arctic, subarctic, which is the region immediately south of the Arctic Circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tundra and the boreal or taiga and mountainous regions of northern Europe, Siberia, and North America. Oh. Hmm. So they are like, if you look at the earth, the entire like northern portion mm-hmm. from like, at, like just around the entire mm-hmm. globe. Mm-hmm. Males and females can grow antlers, but the- Equal rights. Yeah. But the amount of females that grow antlers varies a lot between population and season. Oh. So, uh, the migration of the porcupine caribou is among the largest of any mammal, and it goes from the Brooks Range in Alaska to Yukon, Alaska, which is a distance of about 400 miles. It's pretty far. So, uh, moving into their anatomy, the smallest subspecies is the Svalbard reindeer, and they are found on the Svalbard archipelago of Norway. Males weigh in at 65 to 90 kilograms or 143 to 198 pounds. Okay. So like your average fella. Gotcha. Females weigh in at 53 to 70 kilograms or 116 to 154 pounds. Mm. So they are very small. Like Like they're short? Yeah, but also just like... They're dainty, mm-hmm. pocket size. Yeah, they're really petite, basically, especially in comparison to the largest subspecies, which is the boreal woodland caribou. These caribou reindeer 
buddies, they have a shoulder height of 1 to 1.2 meters. So their shoulders are 3 feet 3 inches or 3 feet 11 inches, like okay. anywhere in between there. Hmm. So they're not as tall as I thought they would be. Yeah, same. But yeah, the um, Svalbard reindeer, they have short legs and little round heads. Mm -hmm. And they also have thicker fur that's lighter in color. And then um, the boreal woodland caribou, they're a lot bigger than the um, Svalbard reindeer, where the average males weigh in at 159 to 182 kilograms, which is 350 to 400 pounds. Yeah. The average weight of females is 80 to 100 kilograms or 175 to 225 pounds. So they're like way smaller than the males. Yeah. Like half the size. So these animals, reindeer, are the only species of cervid, which is deer, in which both male and females grow antlers. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There is quite a variety amongst the subspecies regarding antler size. Reindeer, Mm -hmm. in general, have the second largest antlers of all extant deer species, second only to the moose. Yeah, huh. So, they have big antlers. Relative to size, they trump the moose for how big their antlers are in comparison to their body. Hmm. So, the relative size of antler to body is bigger for deer than it is for reindeer than it is for Hmm. moose. Um, That tracks. Moose are so big. Yeah, they are. And their antlers are big too, but like they're huge and their antlers are way smaller yeah. than where if you like look at a reindeer Some reindeer it's like the antlers are almost as high as they are tall you know yeah and like they're wide yeah. as they are long mm-hmm. yeah so woodland caribou have flat compact and relatively dense antlers and they are thicker and more broad than other caribou their antlers are mm-hmm. Uh, the central barren ground caribou have the most diverse antlers of the subspecies. Theirs usually grow high and wide. Mm-hmm. Mountain caribou have the greatest circumference measure of antlers. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they're kind of all over the place yeah. with what they look like. The antlers begin growing in March or April for males and in May to June for females. The antlers grow really, really quickly, and they're actually the fastest growing tissue, period, and they can grow up to an inch a day. Whoa. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. They're not hollow, Mm. and they are, like, when they're first growing, they are filled with, like, blood vessels, and they're kind of spongy, Mm -hmm. but then once they, and they're also covered in, like, thick velvet, Mm -hmm. but then once the antler is fully grown, it gets really hard, and it's basically, like, keratin. Oh, okay. And the velvet is shed, or they'll rub it off. Mm -hmm. The barren ground caribou and the boreal woodland caribou have velvet that's, like, dark chocolatey brown, while the peri caribou and the dolphin union caribou caribou have gray velvet so bull reindeer so males will shed their antlers in early winter but the females will keep theirs and it boosts them up on the hierarchy and gives them the highest rank for feeding oh huh yeah this next point i really tried to figure out why this is Mm -hmm. but i could not find anything So it says that females with antlers are healthier than females without antlers. Hmm. 
I don't know if it has anything to do with like they have more blood or like anything like that. I'm not really sure, but it says that calves of mothers without antlers are more prone to disease and mm. higher mortality. The mortality makes sense to me kind of because females use their antlers as defensive mechanisms for themselves and their young. Uh-huh. So that makes sense for like if a calf to a mom who doesn't have antlers can't defend themselves. Yeah. But I don't understand what it has to do with diseases. And I tried to find out why that would be and I mm. couldn't find anything about it. So the color of the fur of reindeer varies a lot and there are differences between subspecies, seasons, and individuals within a subspecies. So it's pretty much just like how every single person looks very different from another person. Mm-hmm. That's how the reindeer are too. The more northern populations usually are whiter because they are like in Mm -hmm. the snow the most and the further south you go the darker the pelts will be Mm. which like you said makes sense for like camouflage reasons Mm -hmm. and stuff the coat has two layers there's a dense woolly undercoat which is like what keeps them warm and then there's an overcoat with long hollow hairs and their fur is their primary source of insulation allowing them to regulate their core body temperature and Okay, this next part is really cool, and I have never heard of an animal that can do this before. Oh, Um, (laughs) folks at home, that means this is rare. (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, but this was was a very cool thing, and I, like, really tried to, like, understand and Mm -hmm. put it into words that make it, like, make sense. So... Basically, they maintain their core body temperature through what's called heat exchange. So what happens is the blood that flows to their legs, which is not covered in as much fur, Mm -hmm. it's so the blood flows to their legs and it's cooled down. Okay, that makes sense. And then the blood that flows to their body is warmed up uh-huh. because the blood vessels and arteries are like closely intertwined with the veins and their skin. Hmm. So it's like a process of counter current heat exchange and it enables them to keep their core body temperature about 30 degrees Celsius or 54 degrees higher, 54 degrees Fahrenheit higher than the temperature of the environment. Okay. So basically what that means is as the blood is leaving like their torso area, it goes to their legs and gets cooled down. So their legs are way colder than like mm-hmm. their core. And then as it's coming back up, because it is so like closely intertwined with all of it, it like exchanges the heat depending on the direction that it's mm-hmm. going. So mm-hmm. it's warmer in their core than it is on their legs. Mm-hmm. They're also able to warm the air that they breathe through a similar method. Whoa. Yeah. So they have a temperature gradient organ in their nose that warms the air with body heat before it hits their lungs. And the water that is ex- that's like from the expired air, it's condensed and uh, captured before exhalation. And that's used to moisten the incoming air so that they're not breathing in cold, dry air. That's neat. Yeah. Uh, Reindeers have big hooves that are shaped like crescent moons and their hooves change and adapt based on, based on the season. Oh. Yeah. 
So in the summer, their foot pads are like spongy uh-huh. and provide more traction against like the mud and melting snow mm. and all of that. And then in the winter, their hooves will shrink and get really hard and like oh, tighten up cool. and it exposes the rim of the hoof and that can cut the ice and hard snow Whoa. to um, keep them from slipping. And they can also use it to dig in the ice and snow to help them find food. Cool. Yeah. Many subspecies of reindeer have the ability. Okay. This is so weird to me. Like so weird. Okay. So we are, I mean, we're young, but we're also like 900 years old. Yeah. Anytime we get up to do anything, we're like snap, crackling and popping. Right. Mm-hmm. So reindeer have an ability to make their knees click as they're walking. Like to like audibly click like yes. to make a, okay. Yeah. What for? It establishes relative positions of dominance. Wait, do you have more on that? So basically, the bigger the reindeer, the bigger the click. Uh Uh-huh. The bigger the click, the bigger the threat. Weird. Yeah. My brother can do that with his heel. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) Well. I mean, I figure it's kind of like when we crack knuckles. Uh huh. Like okay. And like sometimes you like people will do it as like an intimidation check or whatever, and it's like okay, well now all I know is that you had a lot of air between your joints. That doesn't tell me anything. (laughs) Interesting. But yeah, so they use it as like when they're walking in a herd. Yeah. And they'll just have their knees clicking away, and Hmm. yeah, um, it's caused by tendons slipping over the bone. Yeah. So, hey, Jeremy, just. You just clicking me, bro? You good? <laughs> or check yourself. Click, 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 click. It's like their own little Morse code, yeah. basically. <laughs> so reindeer are able to see light at wavelengths as short as 320 nanometers, which is the ultraviolet range. Okay, cool. And this is thought to help them thrive in the Arctic because everything is the same color, basically. Mm. So they're able to see things like urine and fur and like other things yeah. like that in sharp contrast rather than having it go nearly unnoticed as it would for us. Yeah, huh. So they also have what a lot of animals have, which is a tapetum lucidum or a retro reflector, which is basically like when you see an animal at nighttime and they look at you and their eyes glow. Uh-huh. So that's what that is. Are they, are they the kind they move mostly at like dusk and dawn? Because it seems like a strange thing to have for like the ones more in the Arctic. It, like they don't need more light bouncing around in there if they're in whiteout conditions, you know? Yes. So it does like, so that is to improve their eyesight in times of continuous darkness. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, duh. It's dark for like <laughs> months straight. Never mind. <laughs> Um, well, I was, I was like looking too. I was like, I don't know if it's better for nighttime. Yeah. Here I'm just like, oh, the Arctic, it's always white and sunny. It's like, no, half of the year it's dark. But in the other half of the year, it is yeah. just like constant day. Um, but so their retro reflector in their eyes changes color based on the season. Oh, cool. So it's gold in the summer and blue in the winter. Yeah. Radical. And that, again, is to help improve their eyesight in times of continuous darkness. Mm. So they have a like constantly fluctuating body composition based on the season, Mm -hmm. which 
makes sense. Yeah. You like work on getting beefier like toward the winter and then like as winter continues you lose more and more so it's just like constantly yeah. fluctuating. Uh there's also a vast difference between females who are breeding versus those who aren't. Hmm. Breeding females have more body mass between March to September and they have an average of 10 kilograms or 20 pounds more than non-breeding females. Whoa. Yeah. Non-breeding females, however, will have more body mass than breeding females from November to December because instead of focusing on lactation and reproduction mm -hmm. and all of that, they can focus on food storage. Mm. So moving into the life and behavior, the environment understandably plays a huge role in the nutrition of reindeer mm -hmm. winter nutrition is crucial to survival rates hmm. lichen is the main source of nutrition during the winter months because it's readily available and it reduces the amount that reindeer are relying on their own body reserves to get oh, through okay so reindeer mate in late september early november and the gestation is about seven and a half months oh that's really long mm-hmm yeah, not as long as some whales, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. <laughs> sure. I never would have guessed, you know, I wouldn't really put those guys up against each other. Yeah, whales and elephants. Um, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let me just wait till you hear this guy's knees click, though. You won't want to mess. Uh, so during the mating season, the males will fight for the female by locking their antlers together and pushing the opponent away. Uh, which I feel like that's how humans do it also. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of people, it's common knowledge that deer will fight with their antlers mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, the dominant males will have as many as 15 to 20 females to mate with. Dang. So they like create a harem. Wow. <laughs> They'll be so focused on the task at hand that they will stop eating and lose a lot of their body reserves. Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, when females go to calve, they will travel to somewhere that's pretty isolated and generally like predator free, mm -hmm. like an island um, that's like an island within a lake hmm. or a lake shore or the tundra. But calving females are so weary and the herd is hugely protective. And so they'll follow the female at a distance and just uh, kind of like, whoa. yeah, and just kind of be on the outskirts, like scouting the area, mm -hmm. making sure that she's okay and all that kind of stuff. Newborns weigh an average of six kilograms or 13 pounds. Okay. And they're born between May to June. They're ready to graze and forage at 45 days, but they'll still suckle until autumn when they become fully independent. Hmm. Females that are healthy and have like good nutrition through the winter and all of that will start breeding between one and three years old. Hmm. Uh, if the female had nutritional stress, it's common for her to not reproduce that year. Mm -hmm. So it kind of just depends on like if the female is in good condition mm -hmm. then. And so... Yeah, they're trying to set everybody up for success. Mm. Males will live an average of 10 years in the wild, while females will live an average of 17 years. Whoa. Yeah. I think that part of the reason is because the males will headbutt each yeah. other and fight with antlers and stuff. The migration of species, subspecies herds varies a lot. Some don't migrate at all. And they just are stationary. Hmm. I mean, obviously, they'll, like, walk yeah, around. Yeah, you got a great, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. But they won't, Not like, 400 miles. Right. 
So barren ground caribou will travel up to 5,000 kilometers or 3,000 miles a year. Whoa. Yeah. Other subspecies like the boreal woodland caribou, which Mm -hmm. is the biggest subspecies, they're mostly sedentary. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of varies. Caribou can run at speeds of 60 to 80 kilometers per hour, which is 37 to 50 miles per hour. Pretty fast. That's super fast. Like a really fast caribou is like just hauling it. Yeah. They'll travel in herds of about 50,000 to 500,000 in the spring. But during mating season, they'll break up into much smaller groups Mm. and kind of just like go off and do their own thing. They mainly, like I said, eat lichen. And they are the only animal that's able to break down lichen into glucose. Oh, interesting. Uh, They also will eat leaves and grass. And sometimes they'll gnaw and partially consume shed antlers as like a dietary supplement. Mm. But they predominantly eat lichen. Mm. And there have been cases where in extreme starvation, they'll eat small rodents, fish, or bird eggs. But that is if Hmm. there is like nothing to be found Hmm. they don't have a circadian rhythm which kind of makes sense because if they're in a season where it's six months of darkness how would you even know so they base their sleeping pattern based on whenever they need to eat and Hmm. like digest food and stuff uh they are the prey of a few different things so hunters obviously brown bears polar bears wolverines gray wolves And then golden eagles will prey on the calves. Dude, whoa. Yeah. So they're the prey of pretty much any other predator animal in the Arctic the caribou could fall victim to. Hmm. During the summer, they also will fall prey to mosquitoes, black flies, bot flies, deer bot flies, and the reindeer nose bot fly. Wowzer. Yes. These parasites encourage the reindeer to seek out particularly windy areas like hilltops, Mm. mountains, and lakeshores to, like, help keep them off. Hmm. They also will gather in really large herds and stand close together to avoid, Hmm. like, swarms of flies. So now moving into the human relations portion... The conservation status is kind of all over the place depending on the subspecies. For example, two subspecies are unfortunately extinct and some subspecies are rare and endangered. But the general reindeer overall has been classified as vulnerable Hmm. because there is like such widespread range of them. Mm -hmm. But each subspecies has a different status, Mm -hmm. but they're all just generally considered to be endangered. Hmm. The reindeer plays a vital role in the lives of people who live in the polar regions. Mm. So the Sami, the Swedes, the Norwegians, the Finns, the Northwestern Russians, Nanets, Kants, Ivanks, Yukagirs, Chuchki, Koryaks, and Inuit people are mm. all like predominantly part of the reindeer mm. life cycle. There are Siberian reindeer owners who ride on their reindeer, which I think is so cool. Yeah, that sounds like a Miyazaki movie. Yeah, or like a Jan Brett book. Oh, yeah. There are reindeer herders in Scandinavia and Russia who make their living off of the sales of the fur and meat. Makes sense. Reindeer meat is super popular in all of the aforementioned places, Mm -hmm. and some of the 
dishes that they'll make are reindeer meatballs, sautéed reindeer, and reindeer sausage. Mm. And I would be more than willing to try all of those. Yeah, that all sounds good. Yeah, and I'm assuming that like when you go to somewhere where that's a traditional dish, they're very adept at preparing it and everything. So Also, I just realized it's kind of like an interesting way as we like get to the end of your section i think it's funny we're like man these animals are so cool like all these new things i learned about them oh it sounds so tasty (laughs) well apparently they're very tender and lean and can be prepared fresh dried salted or smoked so try all of them (laughs) i love you guys with your big beautiful antlers for pulling all the sleighs and i want to eat a eat a eat a meatball Mm mm-hmm In addition to the meat, almost all of the organs can be consumed, and many are in the traditional dishes. Nice. Nothing goes to waste. Exactly. Uh, The antlers are powdered and sold as both aphrodisiacs and as nutritional or medicinal supplements. Yes. They fix everything. (laughs) Uh, The blood of the caribou was supposedly mixed with alcohol by hunters and loggers to help them fend off the cold. Hard pass. So... they don't do that anymore, but oh, wing. <laughs> uh, to the Inuit people, the Northern First Nations people, the Alaskan natives, and the Kala Alit of Greenland, reindeer is vital mm. as a source of food, clothing, shelter, and tools. The Gwich'in people of northwestern Canada and northeastern Alaska have depended on the porcupine caribou specifically for millennia. Hmm. The caribou is to them what the bison is to the indigenous people Mm. of the plains. In Mongolia, Durham people are known as the reindeer people. They are credited as one of the first world's people to have domesticated the reindeer. So Radical. Um, The reindeer is the only domesticated deer in the world. And in Russia, it's pretty common to use reindeer for transportation, but not for like long distance travel. Uh Uh, And that's kind of where they got the idea of Santa's sleigh being pulled by reindeer. It comes from the intermingling of pagan mythology, history of Arctic peoples, and early Christian church leaders. So all of that amalgamated Hmm. into the myth of Santa and his reindeer. Very cool. So St. Nicholas was a Christian bishop born in 280 in Lycia, or present-day Turkey. Uh, He was known for his generosity to the poor and the sick. And after his death, a celebration of who he was in life continued by the tradition of of gift-giving. So St. Nicholas evolved into the modern-day Santa. Odin... The Norse god was a hunter and would go on what is called a wild hunt during what we now consider Christmas time. Children would leave goods filled with hay and carrots for Odin's horse, and Odin was said to leave gifts in return. Hmm. So they would fill up stockings with hay and carrots. The horse would eat them, and Odin would give them gifts in their stockings. Over the years, those two ideas of both St. Nicholas being the gift giver and Odin and his wild hunt combined to Santa traveling around the world delivering gifts to children. The reindeer, however, didn't come into play until the 19th century. Whoa. Yeah. The number and names associated with Santa's reindeer vary, but the ones common to the U.S. came from an 1823 poem by Clement Clark Moore, A Visit from St. Nicholas, Hmm. which... 
doesn't sound like anything you've ever heard of, but it's Twas the Night Before Christmas when all through the house what? not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Yep. Whoa. So that it that poem comes from 1823. Dang, this guy got robbed. He sure did. <laughs> but not as robbed as L. Frank Baum, who wrote The Life and Adventure of St. Of Santa Claus in 1902, which included 10 reindeer, none of whom share a name with those in Moore's poem. <laughs> but when the story was turned into a TV show, the producers got rid of Baum's reindeer names and chose what? Moore's names. Yeah. So going back a little bit. So Moore, he was the one who came up with the classic names that we know and love. Mm-hmm. Rudolph was then added to the list when Robert L. May wrote the storybook Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Hmm. The first reference to Santa's sleigh being pulled by reindeer comes from an 1821 children's book, Old Santa Claus with Much Delight. Hmm. Uh, The author and illustrator aren't known in that book, but um, yeah. So like I said, L. Frank Baum wrote the book in 1902, uh, The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. The ten reindeer, their names. I'm ready. <laughs> Flossy, glossy, oh. racer, pacer, fearless, peerless, ready, steady, feckless, and speckless. Yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> so again, when the story was turned into a TV show in 1985, the producers decided to go with the classic yeah. reindeer names. He also kind of like ripped off on a cut, co- like racer and pacer. It's like, you mean dasher? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and I see what you're doing. I also just feel like the classic reindeer names are so much more magical. Yeah. Like, feckless and glossy. It's I like, know. Yeah. Is this a hair commercial? Yeah. But then you think about like Blitzen yeah. as a reindeer and like. Yeah. He got it in one. Mm-hmm. So that, my friends, is the reindeer. Woo! Woo! That was great. Thank I loved you. all of it. We learned about reindeer. We learned about Santa and Odin. And it was just a good time. Well, and I really I'm enjoyed glad you enjoyed it. it. And now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, what creature did you bring for me this week, honey? For you today. On this, our Christmas special, our first Christmas special, Mm -hmm. I bring to you one of the most iconic and beloved characters of uh, our childhood. And by that, I mean probably no one remembers this dude. (laughs) I'm talking about the Abominable Snow Monster of the North, or better known as the Abominable Snow Monster, or also known as Bumble. Why do I feel like I... Wait, so this is different than the Abominable Snowman? So, this isn't the Abominable Snowman or Yeti. This is one very special, very particular snow monster. Okay. Named Bumble. Okay. I'm here for Bumble. We love Bumble. So, you might recognize Bumble as the main antagonist from the 1964 Rankin and Bass special, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Mm. He also appears in um, the Island of Misfit Toys. So... He is a giant yeti who lives in the North Pole and has a very loud and ferocious roar. I'm going to start with, uh, I found this thing on the villain's wiki. Ooh. It has like a little, it reads like a dating profile. (laughs) Okay. So I figured we'd start with that. We're going to check out his Tinder. So 
We're going to check out his, Bumble's his Bumble. Bumble. <laughs> so, full name, unknown. Okay. His aliases include the Abominable Snow Monster of the North, the Abominable Snow Monster, the Abominable Snowman, the Yeti, and Bumble. So, I think it's very interesting that he has an alias that is so long like several that are yeah yeah like the abominable snow monster of the north Mm -hmm. like at that point just call him bumble you know because that takes so much time to say Well, because he starts off as a real like he's the villain he's scary well that's fair because i guess like in harry potter it's like he who must not be named and then voldemort and voldemort takes way less time to say that's true so his origins his date of birth is rudolph the red-nosed reindeer uh, 1964, roughly. I'm assuming he was, you know, before then. Occupation, unknown. Yeah, he doesn't have a job. So <laughs> Just you're, you're going to be supporting north. him. Uh, powers and skills, gigantic size, sharp teeth, strength. Hobbies, eating creatures. His goal is to eat Rudolph and also everyone else. Well. And crimes include mayhem, and attempted murder. <laughs> At first, I was like, you know, I can get behind this guy causing a little bit of mayhem, strong enough to open all the jars and everything, you know. But attempted murder took that in a very yeah. different direction. Well, again, he wants to eat everyone. Yeah. Rudolph especially, but also everyone else. Well, you know, you, you can't have everything. Everyone has some kind Everyone's of downfall. Yeah. Hand. Yeah, exactly. He's okay. just a bit of a fixer-upper. And boy, is he. <laughs> so we're going to start with, now we're just going to jump into the biography. So this okay. is the story of Bumble. Okay. So when Rudolph was growing up, his father, Donner, a little fun trivia for everyone, told him that the snow monster hated Christmas, had giant razor-sharp teeth, and eats anything. Sounds like Krampus. Bad on every level. So months before Christmas Eve, Rudolph and Hermie the elf ran away and came in contact with the abominable snowman. Hermie's the little blonde boy, right? Um, yeah, Hermie the little blonde elf. Okay, and then so they came and they ran into the abominable snowman. Yeah, they were just like out and about, and they just like bumped into him. Okay, bumped into Bumble. Bumped into Bumble. At this point, just the abominable snowman of the north. So he hasn't turned into the snow monster yet? Snow monster. The abominable snow monster. Did I say snowman? Yes. He's definitely... They they bump into the Yeti. Okay. Uh, And he chased them toward a frozen lake where they ran into Yukon Cornelius. That's the big guy. Big guy with the beard. Right. The trio jumped on a floating piece of ice and the abominable uh, tried to get in the water after them, but could not swim. So it had to get back out onto the shore and they managed to escape. Mm. Unlike in the episode of Bubble Guppies, where the polar bear finds a surfboard and is able to go after them. Exactly. Or no, he finds an inner tube. Yeah, he has an inner tube that, he, yep, and mm-hmm. then they teach him how to surf. Yes. After they build their own surfboard out of ice. Mm-hmm. So Rudolph returned to find that his parents and Clarice had been searching for him and that they have been captured by Bumble. Oh. Rudolph went to Bumble's cave to challenge him but was knocked out with a stalactite uh, grabbed by the aggressive monster who then laughed sadistically at Rudolph's misfortune. Whoa. So at this point, Rudolph is just like Luke on Hoth. 
and he's captured by the snow monster. Yup. So Hermie and Yukon found the cave and came up with a plan to rescue their friend. Hermie lured Bumble out by making oinking noises just outside of the cave. After that, Yukon caused an avalanche of snow to knock him down, then dislodged a boulder to bring it down on Bumble's head, which knocked him out cold. You know, I too would be lured out of a cave if I heard mysterious oinking. So. It's a tasty snack. And a good friend. And this is when it takes a turn. So, Bumble is unconscious because Yukon Cornelius just dropped a boulder onto his dome piece. Right. When Bumble awoke, he noticed that all of his teeth his razor-sharp teeth, the pride of his life, had been pulled out. <gasps> Hermie took them all out with his pliers. Yukon no longer saw him as a dangerous threat and started to fight the bumble. So we need to get Hermie into therapy Hermie immediately. is not okay. Hermie's got... Antisocial like, personality dark... disorder and is going to become a serial killer. Yeah, he's got dark hungers oh my gosh that's why he took the teeth to satisfy those hungers (laughs) okay so bumble backs away because he ain't got this this dog is all bark no bite Mm. he ain't got no chompers left yukon and his dog cornered him toward the ledge and they fall off the cliff wait yukon and his dog yukon his dogs and bumble fall off the cliff oh no Rudolph and Hermie believe that they're dead and they return to Santa's workshop very sad. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Rudolph can fly. So why wouldn't he just fly down really quick and check? Because it was a big cliff. He can fly. But he was really sad. Do you... If I could fly and you fell off a cliff, well, first of all, I would immediately jump after you and try to catch you before you fell. But not not me, some strange man that you met two days ago in the middle of the Arctic Circle. Okay, if I found a strange man and there was a cliff, I would be the one to push him. Well. Let's be clear. (laughs) And it's a long way. You don't want... Imagine someone falls like 50 stories down into icy water. They're, they're, They're gone. Well... I would still check if it was you, but if it was a strange man, I would not be bothered. Thank you, honey. That's very kind. So, Hermie and Rudolph return, thinking they're dead. However, Yukon and Bumble survived the fall and returned to help Santa with the toys. What about Yukon's dog? They don't appear in the story again. What? So, with no more teeth, (gasps) Yukon managed to reform Bumble, and he followed him everywhere he went, even helping put a star on top of the tree. Which no one else could reach. Okay, so here's my theory. The dog is actually alive, and he too realized that he didn't want to live with a strange man, so he just swam away and found an island full of elven folk who are going to keep him safe forever. So I think that he's pretending to be reformed and is going to steal back all of his teeth and then kill everyone. Okay. So Cornelius and Bumble become buddies and they're always together and they go on lots more adventures together. And that's the story of Bumble, the abominable snow monster of the North. The end. (laughs) I have a lot of mixed feelings about that story. Like what? Well, I understand that Bumble... Let's say the dogs didn't fall off the cliff. Maybe it's just Cornelius and Bumble because I'm not entirely sure. Okay. I don't remember exactly. The dog... I was not paying attention to the dog. I was worried about Bumble, my best friend. 
Yukon Cornelius. I'm not, it's, huh? (laughs) So I understand that Bumble was like the antagonist and started the fight, but after they knocked him out, there was no need to pull literally all of his teeth out. Like that, if someone pulled all of my teeth out after knocking me out, even if I had been like trying to fight He them was and also stuff, about to eat Rudolph's dad. Yeah, but you don't need to take his teeth. Just knock him out and leave. But he's going to come back. He's got a taste for reindeer now. Yeah, but you can go back and get reinforcements and be like, hey, leave us alone. I'm, also, I'm not going to defend Hermie is very much in the wrong in this yeah. situation. I think what should happen is that Hermie should be exiled to an island that's... J- like an island of misfit toys. An island of therapists. <laughs> and Bumble should be exiled to another island with other therapists. And then once they've worked through all of their trauma they and battle their to anger, the death. No. Then they're able to go back to society and the bumble can even work with a dietitian who can come up with some sort of like food plan for him to like assuage his cravings see if he has any kind of like vitamin deficiency that makes him like hulk out like because you know me when i'm hungry if i start to feel hungry there's like 10 minutes of buffer time before i just am so grouchy it's a problem but you know I've worked on it. I just got to make sure I always have snacks. That's true. You haven't murdered anything in cold blood in a long time. Ever, if you, you know, ever even. You could almost, you could say it's been so long that it's ever, but yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) Hermie is the real villain of this story, in my opinion. Freaking white men, man. He's enough. Freaking well, he's white still, though. Yes, but there are many things that are white. Like Bumble? Like Bumble. Well. There are dogs that are white. Okay, well, a dog has never done anything wrong in its entire life. And any time it has done anything wrong, it's because it was antagonized by a person. They're uh, monkey. I, I can name lots of white things. <laughs> that's, that's my superpower. Bumble might have super strength and razor sharp teeth and a very ferocious roar, but I know a lot of things that are white <laughs> other colors not brown i got like two two things that are brown and <laughs> literally they're... your hair and your eyes are brown that's all i got <laughs> other than that it's a block i got a brown block <laughs> i need to take some fiber or something i think my doctor said <laughs> well those those are all my feelings well, about they're the all valid thank you and i i hear them and i receive them and i respect them thank you I appreciate that. I love Bumble. We should remember Bumble. (laughs) Thank you for bringing this creature to us. Well, it's the least I could do. I want to honor his memory. (laughs) Wait, he didn't die. Yet. Well, maybe he's immortal. Maybe. Maybe Yukon Cornelius will sacrifice his mortal soul so that he can live on as a lictor, a Bumble lictor. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed all these creatures Mm -hmm. and we ask if you would to rate and review um share with your friends let them know 
if you think this is something that they would be interested in. And as always, you guys are doing a great job. And if you're having a bad day, remember, at least you don't have teeth in your butt. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.